This is the Westlake Nation Podcast. Powered by the Westlake Shack Club. At the 20, 10, 5, touchdown! And he is into the end zone. Oh man, what a catch here! Touchdown, Westlake! And brought to you by Independence Title. Appliances Now. St. David's South Austin Medical Center. Hat Creek Burger Company. Overt Auto Group. Our Way Appliances. Restore Hyper Wellness. And now, here's the latest episode of Three and Out with Tony Salazar. Now, the maiden voyage of the 2023 Three and Out podcast with Tony Salazar, the season opener of the 2023 season. Coach, as always, thanks so much for the time. It is always a pleasure to kind of peek inside the mind and the uh, inner workings of Westlake football and the program. Impressive is not necessarily a word that you can use before a game is played, but over 350 kids, the numbers have grown, swelled, and I think people around the community are starting to get the memo that it's a good thing to be a, a part of the football program, and the success of the football program starting to percolate a little bit out beyond. You know, baseball making a state run, it's really starting to become not just a football culture, but a culture everywhere at Westlake. Obviously, you know, the start of every school year, I think um, what you're looking for is that uh, the culture be built and set quickly. And I think there's no faster way within a school community and a school culture is to start the year off with, you know, a successful football team. And I think from there, uh, I think all the rest of the sports, no doubt, feed off of that. You know, there's a good example of kids within the, that school district that are uh, doing things the right way. They're working hard. They put in great work in the summer. And obviously, as they get to the early part of the season, they're starting to see some results from a lot of that hard work. I think it's also falling in love with the day-to-day grind. Like, let's not fall in love with the result. Let's don't fall in love with the trophy or the ring. Let's fall in love with what we do every single day. It's not where you're going. It's what you're doing today. Staying in the moment is what matters. There's no doubt. I think, obviously, you can get too far ahead of yourself at times. And as coaches, we sometimes can. And obviously, the trick is to make sure the players don't do that. They don't get ahead of themselves. They stay in the moment, in the day of the week that um, leads up to the, in the preparation it takes to, to be successful on Friday. And uh, the hard work and winning games happens Monday through Wednesday. Thursday and Friday, obviously, are uh, mental preparation. And the game shows up. And it's, it's payday. We get to go out and have fun and play this great game we love. But we can't win games on Friday without putting in the work, uh, without having having the execution uh, without obviously having a football team that uh, from top to bottom understands their roles within our program, whether that be a starting quarterback, whether that be an attack team wide receiver. Uh, everybody in between has a role in our program, and those roles become defined by those daily the daily activities we do and the daily grind we do. So that's where we're at in our season. We're trying to obviously identify those roles for every person on our team so that nobody's sitting around practice wondering what my job is. Everybody has a defined role. Uh, from that, uh, we're fortunate enough to have a football team full of seniors that, uh, you know, has high expectations, high goals for this football season. We talked about the numbers, but the most seniors ever in Westlake football history. That's 55 years of football coach, and you've never had a larger senior class. Here's what I think a lot of people don't understand what that means. You have attrition. Football is not for everybody. Injury plays a part in it. Sometimes other interests take over after a certain age. You realize, okay, I'm not going to be the guy on Friday night, and, and it's not for me. You have 61 dudes that have hung on for all four years. The sacrifice, playing on Thursdays instead of playing on Fridays, a lot of guys that are going to be seniors, and you mentioned you're still searching for those roles, but that to me is a stat that really stands out ahead of Friday. Absolutely. 61 seniors, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing accomplishment, and obviously a tip of the cap to those seniors that have been in our program for four years, and then some of them obviously obviously played in middle school together even. So it goes further back than that. We'll get some pictures towards the end of the year these guys playing pop 
Pop Warner together as well. I mean, so it starts back when they're little, little kids at seven, eight years old, and it goes all the way up to their 18. To see those kids come, you know, buy into something, buy into a program, I think it's um, a testament to them, a testament to their parents, the discipline that it takes, the discipline that ex- exists within this program. The number one factor, I think, is relationship. They understand their position coaches are, are here uh, as a resource for them. We're here to help them become better young men. We're here to help them, obviously, stay stay on track academically. We're here uh, as coaches to help these young men, obviously, grow into uh, outstanding, you know, sons and husbands and, and brothers and, and friends and uh, in the real world. And so to have 61 guys represent our program as seniors, very similar to what you said, being on the varsity football team is, is a privilege and it's not a right. We allow kids to be in our sub-varsity programs to earn the their opportunity to be on the varsity. Uh, but it takes, you know, being here every single day and living by, you know, the creed that's set before with the seniors that came before this class. There's a lot to be proud of when you talk about 61 seniors. This is a, this is a player-led football team. And I think uh, when you have that I think it allows you to coach coach really, really hard and demand a lot of these kids. And so far, so good. We've had some tremendous results. The mantra of what you mean by stick with it, you know, build the relationships. You never know what's going to happen. Right. And that is no more personified than in the person of Jack Kaiser. We rewind all the way back to that third game in the 2021 season, and you're sitting there going, who is this kid? Mm-hmm. We don't know who he is. You add him the day of, which right. I knew at that moment. I said, okay, this is a dude that may not play because we got the roster day of. Didn't even bother to learn how to say his name. Yeah. because, And then lo and behold, after dominating on Thursday nights for two straight weeks, he finds a spot and then becomes this unbelievable offensive talent for that team, wins a state championship. But to go from playing as a sophomore on Thursday nights to a team captain in a very short amount of time, we always talk about character arc. You know, when we talk about players, we talk about characters in movies. Hey, where do they go? Where are they headed? I don't think you can tell the story of Westlake football without telling the story. Look at Jack Kaiser in flesh and blood right there through our years here at Westlake, we've got uh, so many of those kids that fill that that, uh, that mold you're talking about of somebody that uh, maybe started as a freshman on the blue team and started the, their sophomore year on the JV blue team. Just stay the course. A part of sub-varsity is playing to get better. And that's what we tell our kids is it doesn't matter what team you're on. We have you on a team so that you can play the most possible so that we can develop you into a varsity caliber player. Their kids believe in that. You know, a lot of kids might uh, have their head down, you know, be their dauber down a little bit because maybe they're on a quote-unquote a B team. To us, we're just spreading out our roster to get the best players on the field with two teams on the freshman level and two teams on the JV level. We try to tell our kids don't look into that more than, than the opportunity to get to play before jack there was mookie taff was a was a freshman blue team or a sophomore blue teamer and lo and behold is a two-time state championship game defense mvp um, those stories are all throughout our program so it's easy for us to look right in the room and point at one of our kids to say hey ask that guy we're telling you the truth ask that guy right there sitting right next to you he's lived this exact story that we're telling you guys and so i think that gives us street cred with our young student athlete he's telling the truth because there's guys within our program that have lived and come out of that situation same situation I always like how you put it in years past where you look at football. The football program is kind of like a uh, like you would a math class. You know, there's you got to do algebra one before you do algebra two. You got to do algebra one before you got to do geometry. You got to do all of these things before you get to AP calculus, which is what basically being on the varsity is. You have learned so much football 
and your knowledge of assignment, you got to figure out what to do and you got to learn it. You got to master it before you're ever going to step on that field. And I think that is such a huge testament to the program that, that y'all have helped build over the last decade is that, hey, it's not about just being good at football. It's about being good. It's about being smart. It's about being prepared more than anything. You got to know what you're doing out there before you even think about playing. You know, one of the things we're obviously blessed with, these guys are very, very smart. You know, we have the most academic all-state seniors every single year in the state of Texas when it comes to football. I can wholeheartedly say and honestly say we have the smartest football team in Texas, and it's the truth. We use that to our advantage. We study, we're students of the game, just like we're students in the algebra class, just like we're students in the AP U.S. history class. Our kids treat this in that level, in that capacity. It's it's not just showing up and practice for the two hours we have practice. It's putting in work. As we open that door right now, there's office alignment eating lunch together in there, enjoying each other's company, and they're watching film in the background. I and mean, that's the culture we have here. Kids want to spend time with each other. Kids want to spend time with each other talking football. Put those two things together, obviously, at least there's some kids that are ready for the moment when it presents itself. Every year when we start, we, we talk about where the team is, who's ahead of who, who returns more. I know that last year we were talking about just how prepared and how much experience you had on the offensive line. This year it is not the most experienced group in, in on the offensive side of the ball, but you have a lot of guys who have played a lot of football. You know, Tyler Knapp, obviously the clear leader there is the team captain. You had a guy like Jared Reisinger, Riley Kennedy. A lot of those guys had an opportunity to play. And then you look at Bennett Wilkin and Richard Grigg. Those guys were up with you as kind of double dippers, guys that had been on the varsity that had that experience. So when we talk about, quote, lack of experience, it's just playing time is really what we're talking about. You know, the least experienced group on the offensive side of the ball, how have they matured through camp? Oh, tremendous. And I think it all started back in the spring, obviously. We have spring football. We have those 30 days to have those 18 practices, and we, we use 16 of them. But there's no walking into spring football practice. There's a lot of install that goes on right away. So we fast-paced our install in the spring faster than we do in fall camp. And so we kind of put their feet to the fire and figure out which guys can handle it and which ones can't, which ones need uh, more repetitions on the field to get better, which ones can take learning from uh, you know the film room and put it on the grass faster. I think all those guys in the offensive line have been doing a great job doing that this, this spring, this summer, and obviously this fall camp. The benefits of obviously playing well into uh, the playoffs and playing in December is that we had five extra weeks of practice last year. And the three years before that, we had six extra weeks of practice. And so a lot of those guys you mentioned that are quote-unquote new starters on our offense, they've been in those same meeting rooms with guys that have been all-state offensive linemen. They've been in those same meeting rooms with players that have played at the highest level and are playing Division One football. So they know exactly what the standard is of their position. Yeah, they're new to starting, uh, but the mentality is going to take, the preparation is going to take, they're not new to all that. They know exactly what that looks like. First time since 2019 you've gone to war without one of your soldiers that has probably meant the most as far as just what he means to the rest of this program from the people that come in behind him. And, of course, we're talking about Jaden Greathouse. However, <laughs> you start to think where we lose a Jaden, we pick up a Heath McCree. Not just a fast wide receiver, just a generally fast human being. He showed that in his ability to put on a show during track season. Also, you've got guys that we know their names, like Grady Bartlett, a guy that underneath can cause some problems, make people miss. We saw that last year. Brody Wilhelm is that guy that, as a 
sophomore, all arms, all legs, but he has grown into a physical presence. So where you would look and say, well, they don't have Jaden Greathouse this year. If you're on the outside of this field house, you would say, yeah, but we got three dudes that can pretty much do it. And then you add Cal Livingood into the mix and you got guys on the two deep that we saw ball out a little bit in the scrimmage in Reagan Street. You also get a chance to to utilize some of your depth at wide receiver. And and as much as we're going to miss Jaden at the end of the day, you got guys behind him that that do so many things differently, but but just as good as Jaden. The biggest point behind all this is that uh, those receivers now have an opportunity. It's not their job to go be Jaden Greathouse. Jaden Greathouse is Jaden Greathouse, and that's it. There's not going to be probably another one like him. But what we can do is go be the best version of ourselves. We're trying to get those kids to go play their game. And collectively, as a unit, as long as we get the same production that we got with the previous receivers, at the end of the day, it's all we're looking for. If we spread out those yards amongst four receivers as opposed to you know, one receiver having the majority of the yards and the other three chipping in here or there, that's all right. There's some people that can live that way, but we want to have a football team. Uh, we want to be able to distribute the football to the guys that are open. All those guys have to be ready. Every week's a different challenge with how they're going to schematically t- try to attack us defensively. We're, we're not worried in our field house about who's playing receiver. We're we're ready for that opportunity for those young men. We're excited for them to go out there and show what we've seen in practice. Uh, I feel good about the receiver receiving core. All of them have tremendous uh, skill sets. These guys know what it takes. We're excited to see them get to work this week and excited to see them develop as the season progresses. Final thought on the offense, Coach. You look at Paxton Land, and I'm not going to talk to you about his physical attributes. We know. We know he's got the size. We know he's got the arm strength. We know he can make every throw on the football field. That's not the question. As now a captain, what do you see? You're in a leadership role. He's in a leadership role. From our perspective, we kind of see, okay, what happens to a guy that's a, a junior quarterback kind of warriors up a little bit because of all the things that he was dealing with i know paxton is healthier and what do you see from a leadership standpoint as his leadership has changed from his junior to his senior season i think there's no doubt the biggest area of growth in his game has been the leadership you know i think you look all across the country i'd venture to say probably 95 percent of every starting quarterback is probably a team captain if they're an elder statesman on the team, a junior, a senior, or a returning starter on, a, on their football team, they're probably going to be the cap. It's important to have because, obviously, they touch the ball every single play. You know, their preparation is much more advanced than everybody else's. I mean, you know, they are doing the AP Physics 3, and everybody else is just doing AP Physics. I think Paxton has, has done a tremendous job of leading this football team starting this January. We got back from Chris's break. Um, he's more vocal. He's a positive leader, which is what we like in our program. You know, he never gets too high, never gets too low. He stays the same. You know, when the, when the bombs are going off around him, he, he knows how to stay calm and collected. That leadership and, and his demeanor is rubbed off on our football team. Our whole football team 100% believes in him as our starting quarterback. Um, and obviously, that's a good feeling going into a season, a, an opener, that everybody on this football roster knows our starting quarterback's Paxton Land by the results he's had, by the work he's put in, and by the leadership that uh, he has developed uh, this past year defensively, and I will not use the word inexperienced, but a senior-laden group in 2022, but the guys that we know, names that we know because of the rotation, because of the depth, they've been chomping at the bit, and, and now you're about to let them out of the barn for the first time as as legitimate starters. Connor Vosick is one of those guys where we didn't necessarily get to see him a whole lot last year but due to due to injury earlier in the year, but Caden Baining, we know him as a monster inside. Rhett Steppy, just looking at what he was able to do last year, there are a lot of guys kind of waited their turn patience that's what you see from your defensive front you know our defense there's a bunch to to be uh, excited about uh there are a bunch of guys out there with with some good physical skill sets that um 
we're going to try to obviously use to our advantage. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing I think on defense is just um, their ability to, to run to the ball. It sounds so elementary, but when you look on the tape and you watch it, the ultimate respect that uh, any opposing coach or any opposing anybody watching our game could say is that your kids play hard. I think that's the, that's the one thing that year in and year out has never changed is our kids on defense play extremely hard. Uh, when they don't have the ball run their way, they're running as fast as they can to the ball. When the ball's not thrown their way, they're running as fast as they can to get in the action. Um, they're never assuming a teammate is going to make a play. They're always running there to back up their teammate just in case he doesn't. You know, an unselfish mindset that exists uh, within our defensive side of the football. It's their opportunity. They're ready. You know, some of them obviously are first-year starters. And in our program, every single year, we have multiple first-year senior starters that go out to be you know, all state players or all Central Texas players or first team all district players. And, and I think there's some guys in our defense this year that kind of fit that mold. Guys that might be their first time to be a starter. I think they're going to be on the upper end of their position group in this district as we go forward. Two guys in the middle that I think, and it's not surprising that you have two safeties as captains. And Judson Crockett, three-year starter, and Ty Ingramizer. Ty Ingramizer is the one that I think stands out to me as a, a guy that has said, hey, I understand who's fr- in front of me, but I can contribute when I can contribute earning this spot as a senior captain. Having played that position, mm-hmm. having coached that position, have you know still very much involved in that position as far as the focal point of your defense is concerned, I'd love to know your thoughts about how how you've watched Judson grow into the leader right. and how you've watched Ty elevate himself to be that leader. I think it's a good way to put it, Joe, and I think uh, both are spot on. You know, when Judson first started his sophomore year, he was a cornerback uh, just because his body hadn't developed yet quite enough to be ready to play safety. And as last year approached, obviously we had some holes in the safety room and we needed some guys to fill it, so we moved him there. And I think his background of, of playing cornerback helped him when he made the move to safety. So I think he was already ahead of that and seeing it from the other side of the coin, I think really just opened his eyes up to the whole game, the whole pitcher. We ask our safeties are really like our quarterbacks on defense. They have the, the, the possibility to check, you know, certain defenses and we don't do that with everybody, but when you have seniors like Justin Crockett and Ty Ingramizer, those two guys allow you to do that, allow you to be get in the best defense possible for this play, the situation, this formation. We talk about on Thursdays before we play a game about being result-oriented. You know, in the course of a game, I'm going to call bad plays. I'm going to call bad defenses every now and again. Coach Roger, offensive coordinator, is going to call a bad, couple bad plays. And we ask our kids at that moment to be result-oriented, to find a way to get a, a positive result. We may not be in the best defense, may not be in the best uh, the best pass play for that coverage, but yet our kids are smart enough to kind of find a way to make make something out of nothing. I think Tiger Miser epitomizes that. He's, he's everything he has. He plays like he's a runs a four three forty. He doesn't. Okay, but he plays that way because he knows the game. He studies tape. Um, he anticipates plays before they happen. Ty is a confident young man. I mean, on the field, he'll even tell the opponents sometimes. Hey, I know what's coming next, calling out the plays. And, it, and that's what uh, preparation looks like. So Ty is all about that. And Judson's just, when you watch our football team, he may not never step off the field. He's going to be starting on defense. He's going to be on every special teams. He's going to make some guest appearances on offense this year. That's how much his football team believes in Judson Crockett. Um, both those two young guys are, are the epitome of what we need on Westlake defense. When you shift from camp week to game week, things change. You start to develop your routine, your schedule. The kids really understand it, and I think this has become more of an expectation of, hey, we're from, we go from here 
to hear. And I know it doesn't feel like it's a big movement, but it's a big shift. School starts. I know that that is the exact same thing that Ridgepoint had to deal with. They have to deal with getting out of camp and getting into game week. All of a sudden, you look up, camp's over, and it's game week. And now Westlake is coming in. They've been thinking about it for 360 days. So it's one of those things where they get their shot. When you look at the story of last year's game, I think the biggest story that you alluded to in Three and Out Club on on Tuesday was, you know, we knocked out two quarterbacks before they found their quarterback. They lose their first two games, and then they win 10 games straight. Uh You know, the the one thing that I know that is important to you for your story is to look at Austin Carlisle and say, this is the guy that was not scared, was three deep, and was forced into a game and wound up earning the starting job and 10 wins is, is nothing to shake your head at, but breaking down the offense, it starts. You can't get those big wide receivers of the football without Carlisle. Absolutely. And as you kind of look at his stats, I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over very much, which is obviously, as you look at a quarterback, what you're looking for, a quarterback that can distribute the ball with to the right people in the right places without turning the ball over the other team. He has a very, very strong arm. You know, he can throw the ball. There's several times we've seen on tape him throwing 55, 60-yard bombs, you know, off his back foot. So the play's never over with him. That's the thing that's kind of scary is he can launch at any point in time. He's a dual threat guy. He's got the ability to run with his legs. He's very athletic and elusive. So it's kind of pick your poison. Sometimes we're going to play some coverage and, you know, hope that our defensive line can corral him, keep him in the pocket and force him to throw the ball a little earlier than he wants to. Uh, And then there's going to be times, obviously, where we bring some pressure and try to get uh, see if we can't get to him and get a negative play here or there. He's going to pose some challenges for us, obviously. Uh, But uh, I think uh, our kids are obviously going to pose some challenges for him as well. I think every single week we go in a football game on defense where we're trying to challenge the quarterback. That's not a secret. I don't think it's bull board material at all. It's just probably their best football player on most teams we play. We want to try to go make hard on him to do his job that we possibly can. And I think that starts up front with our defensive line. And then it obviously goes permeates to the back end and make sure those guys make plays in the back end when the ball's in the air. The guys that you see on defense, I know that you spend a lot of the time watching Ridgepoint's offense, but watching tape kind of from your view, looking at it from the standpoint of a very strange and unorthodox defense that capitalizes on the team athleticism that Ridgepoint has. They'll spread the field with a bunch of bodies. There's some small holes in there which throw a football, um, and they're very multiple. They've shown multiple coverages and fronts. We're not going in there facing the defense going to line up the same way every time. So we got to be on top of our game. we got to be coachable. Uh, there'll be a moment in the game we figure out kind of what it is their scheme is and how they're trying to attack us defensively. And from there, we're going to have to make some adjustments on the sideline makes them just as a halftime. It's got to be up to our kids to try to translate that and to put that on the field as quickly as possible. There's a lot of unknowns in week one just with what their strengths are with the new people they have, uh, what their weaknesses are with the new people they have, and vice versa. Same thing about our club. They're thinking the same things. And two boxers filling out each other early in the game trying to figure out how fast they are, how physical, how physical we are, feel for the game, and, and from there hopefully start making plays. Final thought, Coach. We talk about perspective a lot. Look at me as I am a brand new varsity player. I have never stepped on the field before underneath the Friday Night Lights. Take me through what you as a coach would tell someone going into their first game. I say enjoy it. I mean, that's the biggest thing. We talk about team rules and we talk about school rules. We talk about policies. We talk about what to expect from your coach, what your coach expects from you. We talk about all these kind of logistic and protocol and and boundaries within a program and how our program functions. Finally, at this game, I can truly say, all right, guys, all that stuff is done. We're, we've put in the work this week. You know, we equate it to payday. We're saying we're, we're putting in the hours this week. We're clocking in, all right, and then on Friday's payday. 
our kids get to go out and get paid and have fun. Yeah, that's what I want them to have. We're all here because at the end of the day, uh, we enjoy our kids competing on Friday night. And when we compete at a high level and we have success, that ultimately leads to those smiles on those kids' faces, those smiling, hugging each other after a big win and singing the school song and, you know, and Westlake's 1-0 that week. That's what we're looking for, and that's going to be the message is try to get those kids to relax. Everybody's going to be a little nervous. Coaches are going to be nervous. Kids are going to be nervous. It's the first game. It's it's the unknowns of a new season. Jack Kaiser, our best football player, is going to be a little nervous. And I'm going to tell him it's going to be all right. All right? Hey, you first-year starter, it's all right. That guy who's the district MVP is a little nervous, I promise you. You wouldn't have a pulse, all right, if you weren't nervous going into your first high school football game of the 23 season. So that's a normal feeling. Go out there and just do all the things that we've practiced this week. Play as a team. And then, obviously, from there, we'll let the chips fall where they may. But I think once we do that, the kids are going to have fun, smile on their faces, flying around, hopefully seeing some, some of our teammates making a bunch of plays. Coach, as always, thanks for the time and good luck. You got it. Thank you, Joe. You've been listening to the Westlake Nation Podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you new episodes each week. The Westlake Nation podcast is powered by the Westlake Shack Club and part of the Westlake Nation Media Network. This is Westlake Nation.